I'm Ashley. I'm Valencia. And we're self-misguided. Okay, so today we are going to start talking about all of our book interests to kind of give you an idea of what we like, um, because we would like to kind of start a book club going on with this, um, either once a month or once every other month, depending on the length of the book, and this kind of will let you know what we read and what we're into to see if that would be something you were interested in. Um, But uh, before we get into it, how are you doing today, Valencia? I'm doing all right. Like, yesterday, though, was way better. <laughs> oh, yeah. Tell her what you did yesterday. So for the first time ever, and I have two kids, a two-year-old and a four-year-old, we went kayaking. And it's honestly, I feel like I was living a dream. I've always wanted to kayak, and I never thought that the first time I'd go, I'd have a kid in it with me, but it's fine. Uh, we were going to go buy the kayaks on a whim last week and they were a little more expensive than we wanted to buy right now and of course my husband was like on board for I don't know normally he's the penny pincher like probably not and I was like no let's wait and then they happened to go on sale and we found ourselves two kayaks (laughs) and we're in the river so honestly the kids did amazing like and I have two rambunctious kids, so I never thought that they would sit still for like an hour and a half. I don't but... know what you're talking about. They're perfect angels. <laughs> no, it was honestly like they they liked putting their hands in the water and they were telling us about everything that they saw. And it was just one of those parent moments that you think about, like you see maybe other people are experiencing and you're literally in it. And I was just soaking up like every single second. It was amazing. Now, I will say, I did way better than Alan. He was literally like complaining about his arms or he kept saying he was like veering right or something the whole time. And I'm like, well, sit straight. And I'm sitting there paddling and he's like, hey, you work out. This isn't fair. And I just felt, felt so strong, honestly. I was just like racing past him or I'd have to slow down and wait for him. <laughs> and then he's like, wait, aren't we supposed to be relaxing? And I'm like... I am relaxed. Yeah, this is pretty good for me. (laughs) I am relaxed when I am most in control. (laughs) Did you do boys and girls? Yeah. Yeah. Love that. Yeah, I I chose to. I was like, I pick Charlotte. (laughs) Uh, Yesterday was not my day, or last night, should I say, was not my night. Um, Theodore is like the world's most perfect sleeper. And last night he was like, never mind. It's because we talked about it. I, for real. what I said. That happens to me every single time. So he went to bed at 7.30, woke up at 9.30, had a nightmare. You could just tell by the way he screamed. I know. It was like so sad. Get him back down, wakes up at 11.30. Ryan and I were really, like, we're really good, like alternating on and off. Then from 1.10 to 4 o'clock, he was, he would wake up every 20 to 25 minutes. And it was like the second we would pick him up, he'd go back to sleep. But we'd then have to hold him before we could put him right back down. So we would probably get like 5 or 10 minutes asleep at the same time. Wake, and we were alternating. But like 4 o'clock, I just gave him and brought him into our bed. And I'm like not a big co-sleeper at all because like, of my anxiety. And then he woke up for the day at 5.45. But luckily... Um, Jill did a really good job of like not moving his naps up. Mm-hmm. She moved it up 15 minutes. And so his second nap was right on time. And hopefully he'll be back on schedule tonight because I was not built for this. <laughs> I need my beauty sleep. So I'm not a raging C word the next day. Granted, I got a lot done today at work. I <laughs> <laughs> yeah, got everyone to leave you alone because you were so moody. But I love that. All right. So... You kind of want to start and, like, fill us in on what you like to read and dive into the first book you kind of brought to talk about? 
Yeah, so honestly, I do not read nonfiction very much, and I only read these books because we did 75 Hard, and I did take a lot of suggestions from people. So none of the books I really picked myself, except for one, um, but I I took something from every single book, and I really like that. There is one book I have to reread, because when I sat down to like make notes for this, I was like... What was that book about? <laughs> I am purely a fiction reader. I used to read nonstop. And since I had kids, I don't find the time as much. But my closet is full of fiction books. Did I say nonfiction? I don't know. No, you said fiction. Okay. You're good. <laughs> so, uh, let's, so I'll just say the books that I read. And then I'm just going to talk about one for right now. I read Breaking Free from Body Shame by Jess Connolly. This one was... Um, highly recommended to me several times by several different people. And I'm actually really glad that I read it. Um, another one is The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up by Marie Kondo. I, read I remember that, like, when you read that. I read it like six years too late. I'm telling you, I would have not have had this big a problem if I would have read this before I had all the crap that I have. Um, another one is Marriage Takes More Than Love by Jack and Carol Mayhall. And then... Okay, so I'll just start with those. So the first one I want to talk about is Breaking Free from Body Shame. I wasn't sure what format this book would be in. I don't normally research my books too much. I just kind of get it, read it, and if I like it, that's cool. I follow this girl named Paige on Instagram, and she's read this book several times and highly recommends it, and she would constantly post about it, how it helped her, and so it was like a year of me seeing her post about this book and, of course, the influence of 75 Hard. I decided to try it out. It is spiritually based, meaning she talks about how God made your body good and no amount of others' opinions or beliefs take away from your body being good. She talks about finding freedom from the thoughts that your body is a project that constantly needs worked on, which is one of the big reasons I was so willing to read this book because I feel like I've been in project mode ever since I started working out. I've always been like, oh, I want to work on this or this and I took a lot from what she had to say about that. She also talks about changing your self-talk to empowerment instead of like judgment and negativity. And you might not realize how much you do that. But I found like after reading this book, I found myself just constantly thinking these things. And it's so much more powerful like to realize that you're doing it and how you can stop because it can change everything. It's like the it's the little things that create such like this negative mindset that you don't even realize are happening. Like mm-hmm. this like constant dogging of like yourself or like these little thoughts that creep in. And like I know sometimes it's really hard to control everything, but you really do need to pay attention to like what like what's going on in your brain because you're telling yourself that subconsciously. So like if you believe in manifestation, you're manifesting that. Even though yep. you're not speaking it out loud, you're if that's all you're thinking, you're like bringing all this negative energy around you. And that really is a game changer when you start paying attention to it. Yeah, for sure. Um, a couple of things I really took from this book is that words hold the power we give them. Words can be just words, but we tend to take them and hold on to them and make them like stronger than they need to be. Whether they come from you or someone else, like you have the power for what those rule or what those words do, you know, and it is also okay to remove yourself from spaces where those words or all of that is happening. And that's so powerful too, because oftentimes I feel like we are scared to 
leave what we have because you don't know that there is something better out there for you. So she talks about a situation. This is like the main thing I specifically remember about this book. She talks about how she's with a trainer and her trainer made a remark and she said, I only weigh 10 pounds less than you right now. And it's so upsetting. Can you imagine that? Like your trainer saying that to you? That is wild. So she responded. She said, my body is good. It is not a marker of badness. Please don't compare yourself to me in a way that's negative ever again. And it's just so common to compare yourself to other bodies. But the fact is, no two bodies go through the exact same thing. So you can't have expectations for your body that come from someone else's. No, that's that's such like that is such like a powerful message and like raising a daughter I'm sure you like feel this way and it's definitely something like we've had to consider because like you'll notice it's like generationally like you hear the almond mom all the time and like um just like constantly dogging down on this or talking bad and your mom does it and then the daughter does it and then the granddaughter does it and so like raising a daughter I bet you feel like really like proud to it because before we found out what Theodore was that was something I was like very conscious of because it's something that like Ryan's family talks about a lot how much someone's eating or what they're like and to me that's just not like that's not acceptable but that was acceptable my mom was always dieting my mom was always doing this so it's something i did consciously have to break free from so that like sounds like a super powerful message yeah it is for sure and when i think about like my daughter i do think about when i was a kid and it was so contradictory in my house because you know i was a kid who you had to finish your plate no matter what like you had to finish your plate but also if you got more they'd be like wow, that's a lot of food. Like, what What do you do? You know, they never dieted. They never did anything like that. And they ate as much as they wanted. But when I did it, it was like... We're an anti-clean plate club household. Yeah. Like, that word, that's not allowed. Like, oh, you need to finish this. You just have one more bite. None of that's allowed. Like, very clear, like, mm-hmm. standards. Because it just, it can lead to overeating. Yep. And it can also lead to, like, eating disorders. So, no, that's super yeah. cool. Yeah. That was very powerful. And you actually, you inspired, I can't remember what we were talking about, but there was a time when you're like, well, think about putting your daughter in that situation. And I was like, whoa. Oh my gosh. So I remember exactly for- what that is. <laughs> thank you for that, though. No, so. and I think like until, like, it, like, this is the same sentiment, like a different sentence. Like, I always hated my nose until I saw it on my child. That it's the most beautiful nose I've ever seen kind of mentality. You allow, like, and this, like, goes back to that internal negative self-talk. You allow yourself to be treated a way you would never allow your children to be treated. And, like, it's so, it's really hard to realize that until you have these little people. Yeah. That are, like, watching your every move. Yeah. That's, that, that and a whole list of things are, like, that stops here. Like, it does not go further. And... And there is a lot of, like, loneliness and pain and hardship in being the the stop, like, the yeah. stop sign. Like, because it's, we're not, like, it's not a yield sign. It's not a slow down and see how you go. It's a yeah. hard stop, which involves, like, a lot of really hard decisions and conversations and confrontations yeah. that a lot of people, like, don't acknowledge, so... That was like a hefty start. Yeah, sorry. So I almost exclusively read nonfiction. (laughs) 
Um, I've, I'll like dabble in fiction every now and then. Um, but like memoirs are definitely like my, I don't want to say like my pleasure source because they're not pleasurable like a lot of the time, but memoirs are like my favorite self-help motivational. I really like a lot of health and wellness. Like we read the nutritional like book about supplements and things like that. And then like another one that's like a lot more fun is Lauren Bostick. We need to keep like a tally. That can be a drinking game. How many times <laughs> I mentioned Lauren Bostick or the skinny confidential. Um, she has a book called Get the Fuck Out of the Sun, and it's all about, like, skincare and stuff like that. I love books like that. It's, like, perfect for you. <laughs> oh, my gosh, I know. I very, very rarely do audiobooks, but if the narrator is the author of the memoir, I will. Okay. So my, like, two most powerful, because the narrator or the author, are Know My Name by Chanel Miller. So she was Brock Turner, the Sanford rapist who like raped this girl at, like behind like at a like, behind a dumpster um that was like she was the girl and for the entire trial she like her name was hidden and like taken out of papers and stuff like that so when she told her story it was the first time we were learning her name and she audit like she narrated the audiobook which makes it so much more like deep for me mm-hmm. and the other one is scarred by sarah edmondson and they were whistleblowers on like Keith Raniere and the Nexium cult. So, she, like, she was like in part of that like section where like she had his initials branded on her, and so those were like my two main audiobooks. Um, so for me, I'm gonna talk a little bit more like broad, a few more books because I broke mine into categories. So, memoirs probably the top three category of my past are a stolen life by jc dugard which we've discussed a little bit in a previous episode so i'm not going to go too much into that um she was kidnapped and held captive for 18 years in a guy's backyard by him and his wife and had two daughters by him and she like talks about like in depth about like the sexual abuse and all of the things she went through. And so it's very like powerful. It's the book, like it's the first time I threw up reading a book. Um, and I, I, every time I reread it, I puke again. It's not like a one-time thing. It's such a powerful thing. The next one is The Stranger in the Woods by Michael Finkel. Um, and it's like the little tagline is the extraordinary story of the last true hermit. So this is not an autobiography memoir. This was written by someone else. This guy basically at 18 drove his brand new car off, disappeared into the woods for like, or oh wait, he was 20 years old. He drove into a rural main, abandoned his cars and disappeared in the woods. He didn't speak to another person or leave the woods for 27 years. He lived as a hermit. He basically got caught stealing from a camp because like he'd steal food and stuff like that if he needed to. But it basically talks about like how he basically lived like a mile away from people. Like he wasn't like off where there's no civilization. And his life as a hermit and kind of like what the aftermath of that was for him. Because obviously he lived more of his life having no contact with people than he did like when he was like younger. Um, and just it's such an interesting read to because this is the guy who wrote this book is one of the only people to score an interview score <laughs> an interview with him. It's like one of the only people he talked to. And basically, as the book was finished, uh, Christopher Knight told him to never speak to him again. I have like so many questions already. I'm you like, have to. Why read did this. he do this? What happened when he well, came out? There's like, never really an answer as to why he did it other than he was like always kind of a little I don't want to say off because that sounds rude, but like he just 
didn't want to live this life. And he disappeared in 1986. And like Maine has like harsh winters. Yeah. Yeah. He like, it's, it's so cool. It talks about how he lived and stuff like that. And it's such an interesting, it's it's so unheard of because he wanted nothing to do with the way we live life. He wanted nothing to do with the speed at which we do it, all the advancements. Could you imagine disappearing in 1986 and the next 27 years, all the like oh my gosh. technological advances that happened? I didn't even think about that. Oh my god! It's gosh. like people it's like a... who go to prison for a really long time. Yeah. So that's like, that's a big one. And then my third most impactful memoir for me is called High Achiever by Tiffany Jenkins. And it's her story and her struggle with addiction. And this is not to like minimize the book. But my thing about this is how standard of an experience it is. Mm. It isn't, I feel like a lot of these books, sometimes you have these like, this big extraordinary thing happened or, you know, there's something about this like that made the addiction special or different than other addicts. She didn't have a terrible life growing up. She didn't have this big wake-up call for recovery. She, you know basically got pregnant in rehab, which is, and like married the guy, which is a big no-no, addicted to opioids. So there's something about it that's so, this is the story of addiction. It's Mm -hmm. like not just Tiffany's story. It's like, to me, it feels so true to how addiction runs. The one difference is when she got arrested for multiple felonies, it was because her boyfriend that she was living with at the time was a cop and she sold his weapons for drugs. Oops. (laughs) (laughs) Oops. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, but I, there's it, just the classic nature of it makes it, to me, mean more. Because, like, this is the guy you see on the street. This is your mom. This is your brother. This is your friend from high school. This isn't the guy who, like, got addicted to drugs because something incredibly bad happened to him or someone who was, like, faced with life or death, hanging by an edge, and then decided to get clean. This is just the story of addiction in my mind. And so, for me, that made it mean so much more. You said, like, this is your sister, this is your mother. That literally would be my mother. Yeah. And so I'm almost, like, intrigued to read this just to see, like... This... Had she died from opioids, this would be your mom. Wow. And I think, like, there's something about that that makes it, to me, so much more powerful because it's so normal. It's so average. Average, yeah. I, like, I've spent my whole life just wondering why, you know, stuff like that. Like, why do people choose to do that? Why did my mom choose to do that? Why did she choose to, like, give up a life with me, essentially? Because, like, we had a good for well at least I was I was young so it felt good to me but it's like I just wonder I always wonder too like how different would my life be if she hadn't I know if she hadn't done all that she would have been the best grandma in the world she would have been so like involved and literally what I would love to have but I just I'm gonna have to read that no I think you'll love it it's it's an easy read in my opinion so I'm gonna bounce it back to you (laughs) mine's not gonna be a Wow, those are like the heaviest things starting off the bat. But like that's, I think that's one of the other reasons I can't go back to fiction. Yeah. Wait, don't be wrong. I read some fiction. I read really stuff good. like that all the time. It's just not real. <laughs> I don't know. Like my heart cannot handle things that are like actually true sometimes. But I'm don't those like, like fiction books also make you sad? Yeah. Well, yeah. And at least this, like, and so for me, it's like now I'm sad over like a real person. 
<laughs> every single time. It never fails. Every time Valencia's at my house, her Aunt Terry <laughs> calls her. She just she misses, misses you. me. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Okay, so my next one is The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up by Marie Kondo. Honestly, I think she's a genius. But real quick before I get into this, Alan just told me, so she has kids now. She didn't have kids, I don't think, whenever she started this. And essentially, she's giving up this life because she has kids. I didn't know you didn't know that. Yeah, this is like a huge thing because she's like such a minimalist and like... What is it? If it doesn't bring you joy. I just like, remember, that's really like, when I read this book, I was like, how do you live this life with kids? I remember then, when it came when it came out that she was, like, stepping away from it. And to me, that makes her so much more authentic. Yeah. Yeah. That, at least she could be honest about it, too. So I first heard of this book, of course. I was watching Gilmore Girls A Year in the Life. It was 2016. And... Like, raise your hand if you're just like me. <laughs> okay, I watched it, like, the original when I was younger with my mom, but I have not watched it in the life. It's good, but I wouldn't say... In it. my mind, Rory and Logan ended up together, and I don't need to know anything else. I know. I've, like, I've seen spoilers. I have a TikTok. Well, yeah, but... Anyway, so we don't... That could be a whole other episode talking about that. Anyway, so... Of course, I heard about this in 2016. I just read it this year, so... I just really wasn't ready to address my hoarding and unorganized <laughs> life back then. And I just really wish I would have because now this process seems a little bit more daunting because of how much stuff I have. But that's kind of like the whole point. Just throw it all away. It's my life motto. <laughs> no, no, that's what Alan, he said to me like yesterday and I was like pretty much considering it right about now. But I definitely think like no matter how daunting this process seems to you, it's definitely worth a try. So... This is something that, of course, I have a problem with. You have to fully commit to this. Like, she has you take everything from, like, one category. Say, like, clothes. You have to pick out every single piece of clothing you own. You have to lay it all out. You can't just, like, go through your closet and just, like, skim through and be like, oh, I might not like that. You have to literally hold up each piece, see if it brings you joy. <laughs> I knew that was it. And, uh, and then you... There's, like, a whole bunch of steps, and I won't get into all of them, but she even goes as far as how to, like, organize all your clothes in your drawers, like, to make it effective so you won't, like, revert back to your hoarding days or whatever. My skin is crawling. (laughs) (laughs) So one thing that really kept me in this book is the way she helps you picture your life after this process is over, and that's just, like, what... The like my drive would come from. So anytime, like when I officially start this process, because she tells you not to start it within like, I think it was like six months of reading the book or something like you need to like, you need to take time to think about how you're going to do it. Honestly, if there's any point where I start to lose my drive, which happens literally on a daily whenever I choose to like organize something, I'm just going to go back and reread the book because I know for a fact, like I'm going to get to that point where I'm like, okay, I'm ready to do this again. So if you get to that point, I'd suggest you reread. So my skin crawling comment and like the kind of laughter in uh, Valencia's voice comes from the fact that like I this is my lifestyle like I don't like <laughs> I don't even know how if, you come to my house if well like so well, we lived here for a little over a year and there's nothing hung up on our walls and I love it no and like and it's not like because I don't want anything hung on our walls it's because I'm so intentional so I'm not rebuying or redoing this like I'm such a slow decorator um I'm pretty sure I hung stuff up on before we even like 
unpacked a box at our house. Yes. Like I will, like if I know I'm, if I haven't touched it in 30 days and I'm not going to touch it in the next 30 days, I'll throw it away. It's gone. I'll give it. I don't sell things on Marketplace because I think that's a really good excuse to keep things until someone buys it. In my experience, I don't sell things on Marketplace. I don't, I probably should take advantage of things like Plato's Closet, but I don't do that. I literally pile everything up give all my friends a week to come get whatever they want and then I donate the rest or like I'll like if I know one of my friends is going to move on in six months like we have our old love seat and couch from our apartment still in our garage because it was like a year old mm-hmm. and I know someone's going to need it I'm not trying to sell it I just know someone's going to need it but otherwise it would be gone like I donate I throw away I bought like when the Keurig machines were popular I bought three of those because I quit using them for so long I got rid of it and then I wanted another one. I bought another one. And not like the Keurig brand. Don't get me wrong. I'm not insane. But like, I don't keep things I don't use. I And it's because my mom is a little bit of a hoarder. My stepmom is a hoarder. It's disgusting. And Ryan's mom is also someone just like, <sighs> my thing is the people who just buy stuff because it's on clearance. And then they just like have <laughs> hiding stuff, behind my computer right now. <laughs> stuff in totes that has never been used, never like the tags are still Stop on. Stop attacking me right now. <laughs> I can't. I like that's my worst nightmare. Oh. No, my life is a Marie Kondo book. For real. I'm like, this is why we're friends. I need you to like just well, like, come over to my house and just throw all my stuff away. Even with Theodore, I made it like really clear to people that he has one toy box, and it's not a huge one. It's a little one. And he has one basket for stuffed animals. Mm-hmm. So the second toys don't fit in that box or stuffed animals don't fit in that basket, something is getting rid of. And so, like, I, I like, literally sent out a family text. Toy box is full, basket's full. So if you buy stuffed animals or toys, it might never make it to him. <laughs> and everyone's like, what size of clothes does he wear? <laughs> they bought me the next size up, yeah. So it's like clothes and books. That's books, what you need. Yeah. Uh, so one other thing that was so powerful to me with this book is just the process of decluttering your life this way. It goes farther than your possessions. It can affect like all aspects of your life. It really shows you what you can live without. And it could even be like people. I was going to say declutter the people in your life, Val. (laughs) (laughs) So it's just like helps you realize how much clutter some people can add or drama in my case (laughs) and just the company that you want to keep it's just it's that deep so i highly recommend it i think i make space for the drama by not keeping any stuff because one thing i'm gonna do is i'm gonna tell my (laughs) mother-in-law i am gonna talk shit to my mother-in-law and she is gonna take my side whether i'm right or wrong and I don't care if it's my drama, if it's my coworker's drama, if it's Valencia's <laughs> drama. I'm going to go tell my mother-in-law. And she is going to make the face and tell me exactly what I want to hear and justify every feeling we've had. So We need her on here for our rant sessions. Oh, my gosh. It, only if we can. Like, we'll have to get that on video because her face, like, her facial expressions are priceless. <laughs> I love it. No, that's, like, really great. And th- to me, that's, like, something I would classify as, like, motivational because it gets you up and makes you want to do things. Yeah. So really funny because that's the next section I'm going to talk about. And I have one author, two books. And this is like really funny because I like abrasive. I like in your face, no bullshit kind of approach. So my motivational author, uh, personality person, goes to David Goggins. Um, and his first book is Can't Hurt Me. And I read that first uh, four years ago. And 
it's just like one of those things that like kept moving me forward to like a better life. So four years ago, I literally like was leaving my ex-husband. Like, and I think I either read this right afterward. Yeah, right after I left my ex-husband. And like, it's just one of those things that like let you know, like your life is what you you like want it to be. And I've actually like influenced, air quotes, so many people. I have four people at my job right now reading this book because of me. And my coworker turned to me the other day and one of my coworkers who just finished it because of me. And it was like, when does this book stop being sad? And I was like, it doesn't. Like, it actually just doesn't. He had a really hard childhood, like an abusive father. When his mother left his father, she got with his stepdad and then his stepdad was murdered. And like, that was like his father figure. So it's like all this stuff. And basically he joined the military got like a, was able to like get a discharge because of something that wasn't really a medical issue, but like passed, left, gained all this weight, became like an exterminator, was like divorced. And he was, I, he was like so close to not qualifying. And he, I cannot remember the top of my head, but he had to lose like over a hundred pounds. in like such a short period to become a Navy SEAL, which he did. Wow. And like he is an ultra marathon runner, like and he's broken all these world records. He's this incredibly like strong motivated person and he's like motivated by the things that piss him off and that I like. He's <laughs> not like let it go, it'll make you better. He's like put that in your storage and use it. When something makes you mad, when something bad happens to you and you feel like you're going to give up, use that. Mm-hmm. And that's like one that's I run on um I just, I run on that. Like I run on the desire to like flip off those kind of people and like those kind of memories. So he just can't hurt me. And then a second book is never finished. And I did listen to never finish as an audiobook. And these are two other books. Get the real books, read the real books, but also listen to audiobooks because he doesn't narrate them. But in between each episode, he sits down with a narrator and has like a mini podcast where they talk about it. Insane. My big thing about Goggins that makes him like cream of the crop when it comes to motivational like speakers and people, he's the first one to tell you when he failed. He's the first one to say, I didn't do it because of this. I didn't do it because of that. And at the end of the day, I didn't do it because of me. And I got back up and I tried again. And like, he talks about that. He has this no bullshit mentality of like, you aren't doing it not because you can't, because you just aren't doing it. Like, do it. Like, he, like to him, you're either doing it or you're not. And anything you say is an excuse. Mm-hmm. And even if you're going to fail, like, and you don't do it again, you're still like, like, come on, like, let's go. And I love that, that he's like, yeah, I didn't, I didn't nail it. And I feel like a lot of these motivational books, like they don't talk about the 10, 11 times they tried something before it worked. And he, I think he was either on a second or third time through uh, hell week before he became a Navy SEAL. And he, like, was trying to do it on, like, broken legs, essentially. And oh. got medically, like, sent home before he came back. And and I love that, like, for you, you're like, my motivational book is this really, like, kind, helpful way to declutter your life. It's like, my motivational <laughs> book is this guy that says, don't be a pussy, do it. <laughs> Literally how, like, different we are. I just love that. Every so single I- thing we talk about, like, you'll say something like that, and I'm like, there's another thing that how different we are, but... How- and then, like sometimes we're like so the same and I love that too yeah but it's like not enough to be like annoying though. you're not gonna be coddled by anything Goggins says and I don't I need the opposite of coddling unless you're my husband Ryan if you're listening to this baby me <laughs> 
He's the only exception here. I mean, he's like the one person who has no interest whatsoever. <laughs> Gotta leave me. <laughs> My turn again? It is your turn. Oh, I will say, if you're going to read Goggins' books, he has assignments after each chapter. Do the assignments. It will make the difference. Sweet. I love I love stuff like that where you have to like reflect back and like think like and do the work, honestly. Yes. I just like I don't even know how to talk about mine when you're talking about like all this stuff and I'm like mine's talking about marriage and love and But like... I love that. So this next one is Marriage Takes More Than Love by Jack and Carol Mayhall. So it's also another like spiritual book, but even if you're not interested in that, there's still so many takeaways beyond that point of view. I have been married for almost six years, and there's no amount of time that you can be married where the work stops. Exactly. If you think getting married will, like, fix all these problems or whatever, just know that you still have to work. Like They're more annoying. Like, they're almost worse. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, so, you'll both grow. You'll both need to work together to adapt, especially if your roles turn into more, like, becoming parents or moving away or hardships. And this book just gives a lot of tips for, like, maintaining a healthy marriage. Like, things you can do, exercises you can try, and trying to be more, like, uh, oh, the word, open to, or, like, being able to recognize, like, how, like, when you need to change something. Anyway. So, <laughs> the tips, like, the communication, listening, decision-making, understanding, forgiving, growing... All things like that. So no matter where you are in marriage, I'm sure there's something you can take from this book. And if you're, like I said, if you're not into like the spiritual point of view, it still is a good book to read. You can literally look past that and see all the good tips because marriage is so, I, I'm obsessed with being married, (laughs) but I'm also obsessed with like growing and becoming more and doing it together. And I don't think at any point in your marriage, like, you should do things separately in the, in the way of, like, growing like that. Like, you want to grow together. I cannot talk right now. No. We're, like, we're actually going to do, like, another episode probably right after this one where we kind of talk about, like, that because for, like, Val, just spoiler alert, married her high school sweetheart. Mm-hmm. I have been married before. Um, and so, like, I know what a unsuccessful marriage looks like and I also know what a successful marriage looks like and even though Ryan and I've only been married for a little over a year because I know what an unsuccessful marriage look like looks like I know the difference mm-hmm. and like growing together versus growing apart that's the big one yeah because that's like such a key part of the reason my first husband and I divorced yeah my turn yep so uh, funny my these now i'm talking about my self-help books i have two big self-help books that i like one i recently finished and one i actually have re- reread like five or six times so i'll go over the one i read five or six times and it is unfuck yourself by gary john bishop so this is a book that you could read straight through or you can read it chapter by chapter as it applies and so a lot of times i'll go back to a specific chapter. I won't reread the whole book, but I'll go back. And for me, the most powerful takeaway and the, like, literally, Val's looking at this book right now, the pages are out of it. Like, they're, like, literally. Oh. <laughs> because I read it so many times. I have one like that. Um, <laughs> is 
chapter two. And so that's the only message I'm really going to get into. And it's the chapter is titled, I am willing. Because each of the chapters have like a phrase. Mm -hmm. And the title is, you have the life you're willing to put up with. So either you wake up each day, let's say, let's say I'm unhealthy. I'm unhappy with the way I look. And you eat a bad diet, don't go to the gym, don't work out, like sit and watch TV all day, go to your desk job, don't make any time, and then you go to bed. That day you decided, I am willing to put up with with that level of happiness. That is something I'm willing to do. Or you wake up, you meal prep, you go to the gym, you walk on your lunch, you get some sun, you pay attention to all that. You've said, I am unwilling to do that. And to me, that is something I have to be, like, I have to refresh my mind on. I am willing to tolerate this life. I'm not going to sit there and I'm not going to complain about something three, four, five times because at the end of the day, I'm obviously willing to tolerate it. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of my change and a lot of my life focuses is I'm unwilling to do this anymore. And that's like a lot of change like come from the mentality of I am unwilling. I have been reading this book for since 2019 so four years I have been going back and taking those message I actually think a large part of this and the I am unwilling mentality that I developed is something that helped me decide what I wanted my future life to look like in that year before my ex-husband and I divorced so that's to me it's a short book you look at it, it doesn't seem like much you read it it doesn't seem like much but when you start living it it's life-changing. For me, the other one's a lot more practical. It's Atomic Habits. The big thing is habit stacking. The thing that's actually helped me get back into running is it has a whole idea on try something for two minutes a day for 30 days or whatever, you know. And so I actually started just running for two minutes and I wouldn't let myself run for longer for the first few weeks. And I got this desire, like I knew I could do it longer. I knew I could do it longer. And that's what really helped me get back into it. You hear a lot of times it takes 21 days to break a habit or 21 days to create a habit. And they talk about this and where that kind of comes from. It has nothing to do with the, because if you do it once a day for 21 days, you've done it 21 times. But if you do it three times a day for seven days, you've done it 21 times. It's not necessarily the time that passes, but the repetition of whatever it is. And I like that. And I really enjoy like the fact that it kind of breaks down the science behind why we do what we do and why we fall into and out of habits and it makes it a lot more like plain and simple and easier to see how to like create these good habits so for me it's like one of the most practical books like I've read to date that sounds amazing honestly I'm, no, you're just, gonna I'm love literally it. so interested right now. I'm like keep talking just read me the book <laughs> that's actually on my next to read list so I'm gonna take that home with me <laughs> so so what are you currently reading so I'm currently reading Dopamine Detox, and I looked up how to say this guy's name, but I never even... Hang on. Let me see. Oh, I'm on mute. Thibaut Maurice. Yeah, no. <laughs> Thibaut Maurice. We're just going to go with that. Um, so I am... I'm only like halfway through, so I don't have like too many notes, but I'm honestly so intrigued by this because for me, my biggest 
source of overstimulation and essentially addiction is social media. My phone. Oh my gosh, like, me too. So dopamine detox, I, when I think about dopamine, I don't know what, I can't even remember what I thought about it, but it's actually, um. You think it's the feel good chemical. Yeah. And I mean, technically it kind of like it is, but it's a pleasure chemical that gives you the feeling of satisfaction or pleasure, but it's almost it's over almost immediately after whatever result happens, leaving you feeling empty and unfulfilled. It's not lasting. So a dopamine detox is the reduction of stimulation to put you in the proper state of mind to tackle major tasks to prevent overstimulation. Yeah. And I can tell you right now, I'd rather sit on my couch and scroll my phone than get up and tackle a anything. And so I'm trying to, this is like the main reason I'm reading this book. I actually feel like I feed my phone because my phone is my addiction too. Um, I feel like I feed my phone addiction differently where way it feels positive, but I can assure you it's not. As in like, I award myself so much phone time for every task I complete. Oh. So like <laughs> my husband is like sitting here like, it's so annoying that she does this. I know he's thinking that. Because what I'll do is I'll be like, okay, you need to unload the dishwasher and I'm going to do the laundry. And he's like, can I not just sit here? And I'm like, no. <laughs> because in my mind, you have to do something productive to earn it. Now, he's also addicted to his phone. Um, actually, uh, Valencia and I had the exact same gripe with our husbands and their phone. It's like the world ceases to exist the second their eyes contact that screen and they like yell at them or yeah. throw something. Like they can't hear you. They can't see you. They, they can't, can't hear the kids. falling off a cliff and they yeah. would still be like on their phone. Like, and it's like they're looking at like Reddit. Yeah, <laughs> they're not doing anything. I, we, he, my husband went through a Reddit. Uh, like he had to delete it off his phone. Like it was that bad. I like, think he, one point, like when I was pregnant, we got into like such a big fight. Ryan removed everything from his phone. <laughs> oh my! <laughs> but so I'll be like, oh, I'm gonna do the laundry. I'll fold the laundry, and it took me 15 minutes. So I'll get 15 minutes on my phone. Then I'm gonna do this, and so it's like, oh, this is so great. It motivates me, but. Really, it's like I'm like like if I were robbing houses for drugs, it would be the same idea. It's like that's not healthy. Yeah, I'm like when I thought about it, I was like, oh well, that's interesting, but I don't know. That's like I feel like I would try that though. <laughs> I don't know. So okay, so back to this book. So I'm quoting here. It says, "No amount of stimulation will ever bring you the sense of fulfillment you're seeking." So, like, you can watch as many videos on YouTube or whatever, but the moment they're over, like, what what do you have to show for that except a whole bunch of undone nothing? So, when it comes to the detox part, and I'm just getting into this part, so I'll just talk about what I have read. There are three different options to detox in this book. There's, like, 48-hour, 24-hour, and partial. It's not just, like, taking out your main source of overstimulation. There's, like, a whole list. So, it wouldn't be just, like being off my phone for two days, it'd be like alcohol, sugar, processed foods, internet, exercising, like all of these things to give you a full detox of anything that could be overstimulating. And so... Did you listen to that podcast episode sent you? Probably not. Honestly. You need to because she like goes like really in depth about okay. like like dopamine detoxing. Okay. I'm going to pull it up so I can like let yeah, everyone re- know what I'm talking yeah. about. And resend it to me because it's probably like I've texted you a lot since then. But just from reading this, it's something I definitely want to start implementing like once a month. Like a 48-hour detox. Only emergencies on my phone. Like texts from my husband. But like deleting my apps and just trying to be off my phone. 
I have done it before, and it's such an eye-opener, and I don't know why I don't do it, like, all the time, because I literally have three kids to take care of during the day. Like, I don't need to be on my phone. I need to be, like, I was, like, three I forget you babysit. Um, The podcast is, get your shot glasses ready, The Skinny Confidential, um, and it's the Organic organic Olivia, and I'm so sorry, I'm not going to know how to pronounce her last name, but she talks about, like insulin resistance and routine optimization but she actually goes really in depth to how she changed her life she had to detox from the constant dopamine and how often she does it to keep this up Mm -hmm. so when uh, valencia mentioned to me she was reading that book i had just listened to that podcast that day so it was like it was really it's really cool and so uh, the irony of me just listening to that is it my turn? Yeah, what are you reading right now? Okay, again, I'm going to say something really like, controversial. So one of the books I'm reading is by a relatively controversial uh, Instagram personality is what we'll call him. I am reading The Setup by Dan Blazarian, and it is his memoir. He has, like, this claim, like, I don't want to call it claim to fame. It's it, To me, it's funny when we talk about, like, our past relationship stuff. I think that'll be a little more clear. Like, one of his things is, like, he slept with thousands of women, Oh, you were telling me yeah, about, this. about this. I like it because it's raw. It's abrasive. Here we go again. I like in my face. Um, probably why I like CrossFit as much as I did. And here's the thing. No matter how you feel about him or his views or if you agree with them or not, there's something so eye-opening about hearing his thoughts and the reason he views things the way he does. And I think there's a lot of like hearing people get to un like uninterrupted talk about their past and why it shaped them and how it shaped them really allows you to see someone else's mirror of themselves. And so even if you don't agree with someone, it really kind of helps you. Un- and I'm fascinated with understanding I'm literally how so people's obsessed with like, I could disagree with you to like 100%, but I want to know I still want to know. I want to know what you feel and what you think and why you think that. And, like, I'm never going to be, like, tell you that's wrong. Cause... And, like, I definitely think, like, this is someone who you wouldn't agree with any part of his lifestyle would feel that way. Because it's – and it's so – it's very, like, curse and I wanted to get laid and I hooked up with a Mexican prostitute to lose my virginity and all this stuff. It's, like, you don't see this in books. You don't see this in celebrity memoirs. And he was just, like – he has no ghostwriter, which a lot of people do, not to say that's wrong, but he doesn't. And so it makes it so much more, again, here's that word again, authentic. That is like what I crave. I don't want to hear what you did or what you achieved or how to do something or how to achieve something when you didn't do it, mm-hmm. when you didn't achieve it, or when it really was because of this, that, or the other. I want the good with the bad. Like I want the dirty things that I'm not going to like, but... You know, like, I want to hear success from successful people. Don't take advice from people who aren't where you want to be. Right. That's, like, kind of, like, the idea. So, again, not for everyone. Absolutely not. The other book I'm reading right now is called The Mountain Is You by Brianna Wiest. I believe is how you say her last name. I'm not sure if I'm right. Um, I actually read this book because of a quote I saw on Pinterest. And I'll read that quote um, right now. So, your new life is going to cost you your old one. It's going to cost you your comfort zone and your sense of direction. It's going to cost you relationships and friendships. It's going to cost you being liked and understood. It doesn't matter. The people who are meant for you are going to meet you on the other side. You're going to build a new comfort zone. 
comfort zone around the things that actually move you forward. Instead of being liked, you're going to be loved. And instead of being understood, you're going to be seen. Oh, amazing. I love that. And for me, I definitely, like, when I saw that quote, I was going through a friendship change where someone who was, like, one of the most prevalent friends in my life for years, for well over a decade, was no longer, like, and it felt personal at that point. It felt like she no longer wanted to be in my life, that I was no longer a priority to her in this or that. And it felt mean. And I actually just spoke with her the other day. And I mean, like we had talks when our friendship was like, because at that time it felt like it was falling apart. It felt like it was ending. And I know she felt the same way. And in reality, it was changing. We were moving in such far directions that we couldn't be that person anymore. And we spoke the other day and like just kind of like at this point, we're both at such peace with this was just how life happened. I still love you. I'm still going to cheer you on the sidelines. But the new life that I was curating cost me that friendship. Mm-hmm. And vice versa for her, the new life she was building cost me, cost her my friendship. And while that was sad and we can mourn that we were glued to each other's side for 12 years that's not the life we live now and that's okay and like so that came I was struggling I was I was probably crying to Danielle two or three days a week talking about like how upset I was and just like to come across that it's really made me like reflect a lot because as someone who has like had so many major life changes and such like like in five years like my life looked so different five years ago in 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 the few years like in like the like past like three years in between Mm -hmm. it changed 10 11 times like it looked so different Five years ago, I was married. I'd been married for a few years. I was never going to have kids. I was an administrative assistant. I, like, I just didn't, I didn't have this drive to change. And I was, I was overweight and I was unhappy with it. I was not anywhere near my peak fitness, like where I had ever been in my life. And I was okay. Like, I was just fine with it, right? Mm -hmm. And when I realized that that's not the life I wanted, it cost me everything everything I lost my husband I lost friends I switched jobs I left this company I lost everything and had I not lost it I wouldn't be married to Ryan and I wouldn't have my son I wouldn't have and like that's it is like both my friendship with you and with Danielle are like new like Danielle and I have only been friends for three years you and I have been friends for a year and a half Mm -hmm. and they're the two like two of the strongest relationships in my entire life and it cost me and don't get me wrong I pay the price again but my new life truly cost me my old one and that's really all I can talk about on this book because I'm someone who reads a book three four times before I consider it read and these are both my first time through both of these books so yeah like they're definitely like different obviously very different (laughs) but that's how I like to live my life so what is on your want to read list so atomic habits for sure especially now after listening (laughs) to that I've also got so I've got these two books at home I just ordered them and they're way bigger than than I thought they would be but that's fine so one is how to talk to anyone by Leo Loundis 
It's 92 little tricks for big success in relationships. If you know me, I am like, I'm not as bad as I was. I was so shy as a little kid, but also like as an adult, even, um, I had like big problems reaching out or like making new friends or like being even approachable. I found out like after high school, like nobody, I didn't have a lot of friends because nobody found me approachable. I'm like, sorry, that's my face, but I love it. It's my favorite thing about you. (laughs) I'm like on this journey to be able to just like, if I see someone, I want to be able to say something. I want to be able to off the top of my head, think of something to bring up. But more often than not, even if I want to say something, I wouldn't even know what to say to someone. And like, I, I married my husband for some very specific reasons, I feel like. And one of my things is he is so good at small talk. He's so good at like seeing someone and just knowing what to say. I love that you think that's a good quality. (laughs) Well, it has come in handy a lot. I'll tell you because if there's been any time, and I'm sorry if this has, I guess I'm not sorry because it worked out, but there's been several times where I might like catch up with an old friend, like in person of all things, scares me. I know, but I... Before I'd go, or like on the way, I'd call him and be like, okay, I need you to fill my head with some topics. Just random things. That way, if the conversation lags, I can think of something to, to talk about. That's such a good idea. Works every freaking time. I'm telling you. Oh he would my just like gosh. pop off like You literally changed things. my mind. <laughs> so that might help you with um, phase three, by the way. Oh, yeah. No, I'm great at making yeah, conversation with strangers. <laughs> I don't make small talk, though. Like, I'll get like super personal with a stranger. I'll be like, what is your childhood trauma? And he's like 80 enjoying coffee at a Starbucks. Oh, my gosh. So I start real quick. I started this like walking club, right? I think yeah. you're in it. Yeah. And the two- I literally am just there to learn. <laughs> <laughs> two girls that I've met up with so far. I've never met before in my life until I met up with them to walk. They both had kids, so I was like, felt pretty safe. I just, I have this tendency, like, whenever you ask me questions, I just, like, kind of, like, I can't stop talking. And so I practically unloaded on these girls, like, all my childhood trauma, all the stuff I'm going through. And I have yet to hear back from either of them. We need to get Danielle <laughs> on the podcast to talk about the first time we hung, hung out, because I, like, literally trauma dumped on Danielle in the funniest way. <laughs> Because I dated someone in between my ex-husband and Ryan. And so she was expecting to hear about my ex-husband because that's the last time she knew me. And I was like, this guy she'd never heard of, like, completely <laughs> destroyed, by, like, right now. So that was, like, so funny. Um, but Danielle and I are, like, besties right now. <laughs> it's really, they're the problem, okay? You're never the problem. As your best friend, I can say you're never the problem. So, And then my last one is The 5 a.m. Club by Robin Sharma, which... I am not a morning person whatsoever, but when I get up early, I get so much done and I'm such, I'm like a nicer person and I feel like more energized and I hate saying that because I'm like, now I have to get up early, but I honestly want to be able to get up and go. And so that's like, I've been working on for like four years now, (laughs) ever since I had a kid, but that was probably the worst time to start. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> sleep deprived might as well i don't know i've always been like kind of like a weirdly twisted morning i can get up and go i'm not usually happy about it but i can always get up and go so for me the three books i want to read will start with like oh, i'll kind of build up so i was a vanderpump rules fan pre-scandable and i was a stassi fan before she left so like i obviously want to read stassi's books but danielle is reading them right now and i'm going to read them after her but lala kent my favorite person on vanderpump rules like, I just, I listen to her podcast. I, I love her personality and, like, her thing. So give them Lala her her book I want to read. Then I want to read 
how to break up with your phone, completely unrelated to the one you're reading, which makes it even funnier. And then the one that I'm like, the like that's like next on my list is The Iron Cowboy Redefined Impossible by James Lawrence. So James Lawrence is The Iron Cowboy. So first, I'm going to break down what an Iron Man is real quick for those who don't know. So an Iron Man is a triathlon, and it's a 2.4-mile swim, a 112-mile bike ride, and a 26.22-mile run, um, completed in that more that order for a total of 140.6 miles. So he has multiple, like, records so he was born in canada he's currently in utah so he created or in wait 2015 he did 50 or he did 50 ironmans 50 50 days in a row in 50 states i just read about that yeah so he's on andy frisella's podcast like recently that's that's where i heard i was like like, because i think it's a that one for sure. That's um, so so cool. it's like this is his book. And then he in 2021, he actually went on and did 100 consecutive Ironmans in 100 days. And um, he then completed one more for a whole, 101 and 101 days. So when he was on Real AF, um, Andy Frisella's podcast, again, if you're someone gets your feelings hurt, don't go listen to it and come back and yell at me because <laughs> I'm telling you, you're going to get your feelings hurt. Um, he talks about how his daughter at one point um, was going to do – the run with him, I believe, or the, I can't remember if it was the run or the swim. I want to say it was the run. And he was so tired during that 50, that first 50, he fell asleep while riding his bike and wrecked. And when he was talking about getting back up, he was like, if I don't get back up, my daughter's going to be wondering where I'm at. Yep. And for me, that was like such like a key defining like parenting moment because I was like, this man is teaching his child. We do what we say we'll do. And that's what I want to teach my kids. Mm-hmm. So that kind of like wraps up an overview of like who we are as readers. Now, we definitely want to like have a variety when it comes to our book club. So because we realize like not a lot of these are everyone's cup of tea, but it's definitely something we want to do here in like the short term future um, just because we are readers and we love that. And we can't wait to get that all figured out with you. And we said we were going to keep this as like a 30 minute podcast and we're crossing minute 59 right now. Stop. Oh no. <laughs> I didn't want to tell you because I felt like you were going <laughs> to rush it. through it. I knew. So we can't wait to hear you next time. And thanks for coming on this journey with us.